Hello, and welcome to the Permission to Succeed podcast. The Permission to Succeed podcast is about learning from and being inspired by people who have been successful because they found that point in their lives when they wanted to go create something special and most of all, gave themselves permission to go on and do it. The genesis of this podcast is based on the inspirational lives of Muhammad Ali and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and their world-changing impact. Two men who not only dreamed big, but backed it up with their words and actions. The Permission to Exceed podcast is brought to you by Irish.xyz, the most helpful place advisors can come to to grow their minds and businesses. Power your advice at Irish.xyz. This is your host, Doug Heikinen. Today, we're joined by Derek Bruton, who's the CEO of Kingswood Group US. Derek, how's it going? Good morning, Doug. It's going great, uh, all things considered. Uh, you know, with everything going on in the world, and it's it's going well, and I'm thinking positively. So how are you doing in this environment, working from home, everybody being home? How's it going? You know, it's a lot different for, for me. Um, I, I think my, my daughters uh, and some of my employees might even say behind my back that I'm a bit old school. Uh, in the sense that, you know, I've always worked in, in jobs, uh, in physical offices and, uh, you know, always checked in in the morning and, you know, and checked out at night. And uh, I'd love to see I say I left my work there and didn't bring it home, but I wasn't successful too much at that either. But but it is different uh, being full time at home. And um, I saw a, I saw a kind of a joke flying around yesterday it was a it was a family photo of jack nicholson and the other actors from the shining and it said isolation time with the family what could possibly go wrong and uh <laughs> i thought it was a little i thought it was quite funny there's a lot of this type of stuff going around but uh you know i'm, I'm not a house cat uh i like to get out and uh it's been a it's a been a little different you know being in the house and working from home and a lot more phone calls, but I will say, and I, I know people that have traditionally worked from home, they can attest to this, that I am getting a lot more done in a lot shorter amount of time. I'm, and in other words, I'm more efficient, which is nice. So are you still suiting up and secluding yourself or what? Well, if you call it a t-shirt and sweatpants, suiting up, uh, you know. I would say no to that. Um, I uh, occasionally, like with this podcast, I thought it might have been a video cast, if that's even a word. And so I was a little concerned, not so much with the attire, but with the fact that uh, I haven't had a haircut in probably two months and I don't know when I will get one. I was a little shaggy, but uh, no, I'm not, I'm not quite doing that, but I'm trying to, at least from a mind space standpoint, get into that frame of mind. So I'm interested in, you said you're more efficient. What, what are you finding that's being more efficient about you? Because this is a big deal for everybody out there right now. Well, you know, I've, I've always been a kind of a to-do list sort of guy. And then I've put those together typically the day before. So today's to-do list was assembled last night. And I, I feel like I'm sticking more to that to-do list because I don't have the pop-ins. I don't have some of the phone call traffic that I had uh, prior to that, uh, prior to this. And I can, I don't know, I feel like I can ignore, not ignore emails, but at least prioritize my email traffic much better than I can do at the office. Um, and I'm not quite sure why on that case, but I think it's just the lack of distractions. And the more, the, 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 the more I can focus on the things that 
that really matter and are time sensitive and then couch the things that aren't as time sensitive. So I think it mostly has to do with that. You've been talking to a lot of advisors as you begin this journey with Kingswood U.S. What challenges are you hearing from them as they as the market yo-yos, you're, they're working from home and everything else that's going on? What's going on with the advisors out there? Well, you know, I've been talking to a lot of uh, advisors with Chalice, um, and I think maybe a bit later we'll explain what's going on with Chalice, but I've been talking to a lot of advisors that are affiliated with Chalice, our RIA and our broker-dealer, but because of what I'm going to be focused on in the future, I've been talking to a lot of other uh, advisors at other firms as well. And, you know, what I, what I see out there is, um, you know, a lot of advisors, uh, you know, that I've worked with over the last 30 years, uh, the closer the relationship I have with them, the more they tell me the truth. And the lighter the relationship, perhaps the lighter the trust, the more I get you know, the, the standard answers. And, and for those that I don't know as well, uh, because I just, you know, I'm, I'm starting to work with them in, in other capacities right now, I get the answer of everything's, uh, it's challenging, but, you know, our clients are good. In some cases, some advisors are as bold to say that uh, I predicted this and I went to cash and fixed income and I've, uh, my, while the market's off 30%, I'm only off whatever, 12%. But again, is the, the greater the level of trust, the more they're open to be more upfront about uh, their concerns, uh, their client concerns, and, and how they're addressing those. And, uh, you know, many of them are used to working from home in some, in some capacity. So that element is not so new to them. I've heard a lot of them express concern about the lack of community or teamwork that they were accustomed to at their offices. And, and, you know, that's natural if you're not, if you don't have that around. I, I remember a long time ago, Doug, uh, an advisor that I worked with at Schwab, he's from Elkhorn, Indiana, or Elkhart, I can't remember what it was. But, uh, but anyway, it's the RV capital of the world. I do remember that. <laughs> and he told me once that uh, he goes to industry conferences because he suffers from intellectual loneliness. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting phrase back then. And, and basically what he meant is that he has plenty of ideas, he has concerns, he has challenges, but he doesn't have other people to bounce those off of other than his staff who lived in fear of this guy, I think, and basically agreed to everything he said. So he felt like he could never get great feedback. And he went to conferences to talk to an advisor who's clear across the country who really has no bones about challenging his ideas or his thoughts and anything like that. And so if anything right now, um, and I realize there's technology for this, but I think advisors are just, they, they don't have that community right now. And that isolation at home is probably affecting them more than they thought. So I'm hearing a little bit of that. I'm hearing, you know, the, the lessons that they learned from, you know, 2008 and, you know, markets from before that those lessons are, are, are very valuable right now. And, uh, and two things I hear come out all the time is as long as we're proactively, not reactively, but proactively communicating with our, our clients, that is, and we're listening to them, that's another key thing, another key attribute that is, is, is a great quality for good advisors. As long as we're listening to them, those conversations seem to be going really well. 
I think that's, uh, again, two qualities, proactive communication and listening skills, two, two great qualities of some of the more successful advisors out there. So are you recommending to the people that you talk to a time of thinking, reflection, pushing forward, or a combination of all of the above? You know, Doug, I think it's a combination. And, and quite honestly, um, and I know maybe some advisors may not react well to this, but some advisors that, that I've worked with, or I should say many advisors over the years, aren't very good at, um, they, they focus more inward during times of crisis. They let their concerns and, and their own business challenges overwhelm them to the point where they just close up and they, they don't communicate. And, and, and so what I see the more successful advisors doing right now is regrouping uh, and really understanding their financials. And now, I don't know if the House passed the, the, uh, the security or uh, bill today, but, I, but if, if that relief is there, they're analyzing how they can attain that relief if they need it, how they can communicate that to their clients who often most of them are small business owners. Um, so they're regrouping and understanding their situation, not burying their head in the sand. That's important. But they're replacing kind of any of the, uh, I, quote the I call it the woe is me time. Time spent on, on, on commiserating with you know, other people in the office or other advisors about how, how this has is, is, is really you know, killed their business and they're concerned. And, and kind of replacing that kind of time with identifying how to come out of this mess stronger, um, how to identify opportunities that are kind of hard to see right now, but how to come out of that, how, how to do that, how to execute on whatever these strategies are. So it's a, to answer your question a long way, it's, it's regrouping, it's understanding how this has affected your business, but not, not commiserating and spending time on that, but spending more time on identifying opportunities to come out of it stronger. It's all about attitude. Yep. I agree. I uh, agree. How, in this, how do you think the world, this is going to change the world? Do you have any, any cl clues about that? I've certainly given it some thought. I don't know if my clues are any better than anybody else's out there, but um, I think the, you know, this going back to, you know, working from home and working remote, I think people have always, uh, you know, thought about the pros and cons of this, but now, in a, in a time like this where uh, it's testing, it's really testing those pros and cons. I think people are going to find that um, that working remote is much more feasible than they thought it was in the past. And I think that'll have an effect on the expenses and on the people you hire and, and the way you pursue what you, what your, your daily tasks in your business. I think that's going to change. And, and frankly, I think change for the better. Um, again, I said I was old school before, but it doesn't mean uh, I, I can't learn new things and people can't learn new things out there. And I've seen a lot of my friends and cohorts in the industry who are as old school as me or perhaps even more old school come around to this idea and understand the other probably hidden values of, of, of working from home as well. Um, so I think I think that's gonna that's gonna change uh, quite a bit. Uh, I think the reliance on technology. If you ever you know, it, it's. I think this industry understands the importance of technology and the efficiency it can deliver to your business and how to identify the innovative innovative companies out there that are that can help your business. 
But this is kind of a, a big slap in the face that if you didn't get that before and if you're not taking advantage of it now, that you really need to. And so I think, um, you know, human resources, human capital, people are going to look very strongly at, at the needs for that and weigh that against, you know, some, some, some form of technology being able to, to drive more efficiency into your business. You're about to start and set up a brand new business. Is it changed the way you're looking at that at all? Yeah, you know, it, it has. And I, and I would say the coronavirus and the situation we have in the markets price right now, we set out to start this new business uh, with our, our new ownership is I don't have a ton of fixed infrastructure and, and uh, deeply embedded costs that I need to rid myself of. So I have that advantage that many small business owners don't have out there today. And so my, my goal or my opportunity, if you will, is to not, is not to make those mistakes, to not go out and add a lot of fixed expense when I could use variable, to not build up an infrastructure that can't weather times like this. And so one of those things, you know, right out of the gate, and again, this is partly brought on by coronavirus, I'm not sure I would have totally gone in this direction, but is, is working remotely and, and taking advantage of, of the cost benefits of, of doing so. The technology that allows you to, like Skype, like we're on right now, that allows you to go out and do this uh, more effectively. I didn't go out and buy and, and, and lease a lot of office space. I've decided to go about this remotely and work out a situation where uh, my team meets at a conference room or a Starbucks or whatever it is and gets gets in, in, and fulfills that sense of community. But at the same time, I'm reducing my cost. So I think right now the, the lessons I'm learning as I, as I go into this new business is watch your fixed expenses control what you can control and uh, temper your your introduction to things you can't control. This is the Permission to Succeed podcast, and you were an elite athlete in and out of college, so we like to talk about people's path. How did you think being an elite athlete teed you up for the business world? Well, you certainly, uh, and thank you, by the way, for calling me elite. Uh, <laughs> some people might argue uh, that term. Uh, <laughs> from my past. Oh, and by the way, after, after college, uh, they definitely would argue it, but anyway, thank you. Um, I, you know, I think there's certain things that you, you learn, uh, through sports and, you know, a lot of people would say it's the sense of competitiveness and, um, it's the work ethic, the aggressiveness and, you know, and, and getting after it, all those things, uh, without a doubt, I either went into athletics with, or I certainly came out of them with those, those, those qualities and that attitude uh, towards these things that have, have kind of transgressed into business life. It's definitely one of those things. But, you know, one of the things I, I definitely learned in sports, uh, and particularly, you know, as I came out of high school, I was, I, I don't know, again, I wouldn't say elite, but I, I you know, I, I went to a four-year school and, and I uh, was, you know, one was the top player at my school and one of the top players in California. And then you get to a college and you're working with, teams with a team where all of the players on that team were all elite and they were all the top scorers. And what I learned to become, because I wasn't the most elite player, we had somebody that was really, really good and went on to play pro basketball, but, uh, but he was the scorer and I had a role to play on that team. And 
And I learned over time how to play that role and how to play it well. And it, and it didn't necessarily gain all the notoriety. It's, it's sort of like the offensive linemen in football, right? They have to play well. They get big contracts and everything. But they're not the ones that come up for uh, uh, when you're talking about most valuable player awards. Their names don't come up. And so I was that role player. And what I found in is, as I moved into business life, that being a role player in an organization, being part of a team, was was not often the most uh, appreciated part of, of of my life. But at the same time, I understand understood what that means to the overall success of a firm. And and with that came humility. I guess is the maybe the best word is I just learned how to become humble and how to play a role in, in the growth of a company and, uh, and also how to identify other role players to make the whole a much better, a much better, um, you know, chance to, to achieve that opportunity. So um, I think, you know, that, that role playing bottom line, I think was one of the things that I, I learned most that, that kind of, made its way into uh, into my professional life. So you went to Stanford, and the network of the Stanford alumni is fantastic, but you picked financial services. Why, why that route? Good question. Complete uh, and utter accident. So, um, and I'll make this a, a short story, but after Stanford, I went to play professional basketball in Japan. And in Japan, at least at that time, the uh, professional basketball league over there required the players to work for the companies for whom they played. So uh, I worked for a company called Mitsui Mutual Life. It's a life insurance company. So I worked here, well, not so typical in Japan, but eight to five job. And when I went there uh, and they figured I'd be around for two to three years, uh, which was ended up being pretty accurate. So they didn't necessarily want to give me a lot of responsibility in the, co- in the company, but they knew that one of my majors at, uh, at Stanford was uh, history and specifically Latin American history. And at the time, the emerging markets were taking off in this world and uh, specifically Mexico and Latin America. And they said, well, this guy's got an emerging markets, uh, emerging, uh, I'm sorry, Latin American history background. Why don't we have him head up the emerging markets desk in our in our company, of which I was the only one on the desk, I might add, and um, and start figuring out what stocks to pick in Latin America. So right out of college with no intent whatsoever to get into financial services, I was the equity analyst for Mitsui Mutual Life in Japan. Uh, that's definitely not something I could have foreseen and playing pro basketball over there. So I did so for three years, loved the experience, had a great time, but also realized that I really liked being in, in, you know, in, in wealth management or financial services. Oh, and by the way, the stocks that I picked in Mexico uh, for this company went through the roof, which had nothing to do with my acumen around uh, equity analysis, I might add. Just, it just happened to be when the emerging markets were taking off. So, of course, I left Japan before those stocks tanked uh, So because I didn't really have much of a sell discipline at that time. Um, and I came back to the States and got into, uh, into wealth management with an RIA in Northern California and uh, just you know, sort of stayed in the business ever since. I, I will say early on, I was not not really keen on the investment management side of the business. And that's why I moved over to Schwab. 
um, but have, have really worked with advisors or as an advisor for now 30 years. So one of the things that I've always admired about you is you've taken a lot of chances in your career and tried a lot of different things. What were you hunting for, and did you find it, or are you finding it? Yeah, you know, I, I have taken a lot of chances, and, uh, and look, I've also, I've also made a lot of mistakes. I've got regrets, and I'm one of these guys that believes in looking through the windshield and not in the rearview mirror. So I'm always focused on the future and, and, and focused on and not focused on the past. But it's important, that, and, and I would suggest this to anybody as they as they their career is to, uh, as you make the mistakes, to to really sit down and spend time and learning what what you can from those mistakes, so as not to repeat them going forward. And so I feel like where I am in my career. Uh, while I will still make mistakes again, I'm human, everybody will, um, I think they're unique mistakes. Um, I'm not making the same ones that I made earlier in my career. And as you take chances and as you look at new opportunities, you, you know, I've learned a lot from those mistakes. I'm more from the mistakes than I did from the successes, quite honestly. And, and so, um, but, you know, I, I do believe in looking at opportunities in my career. It's my my kind of litmus test of a new new opportunity and taking a chance was it was it going to advance my career was it going to importantly make me happy in this new role and you know a lot of those things I, I and I've taken roles that I wasn't happy but at the time I thought I would be you know the world changes and other things go on but uh, but that's you know it's it's it I do believe in taking chances um, I do believe in learning from those mistakes so you minimize the likelihood that taking that chance is going to end up being a, being a wrong decision. But, you know, it's life. I, I don't have a perfect recipe around this. And, and, and as I look back in my career, there's definitely things I would have done differently. But <clears throat> I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on the future. So you've taken another chance, or maybe it's not a chance, with the Kingswood Group. So what is that? And what are you going to accomplish? Kingswood is a uh, UK-based, publicly traded UK-based wealth management firm. They're um, growing. They've grown pretty dramatically over the last couple of years in Europe. And they realize, however, that real growth, you know, uh, exponential growth can be had in the U.S. Um, in wealth management. They believe wholeheartedly in the hybrid RIA space, uh, the, the mix of commission-based and fee-based business, and so do I. That's what I've gone, come to appreciate over the years. And so in their, in their desire to expand their footprint in the United States, they looked at Chalice, our, our, our RIA and broker-dealer business, and, um, and saw that it, while young, it's, it's clean, there's no blemishes on the business, and, and importantly, they wanted the management team with Chalice to, to lead that growth in the United States. And uh, so I'm extremely excited about uh, what's going on. They've got a, a, a really good focus. And importantly, they've got the capital to the dry powder to, to grow through acquisition, through adding advisors and, and through organic growth as well. And so 
that's not a luxury that a lot of firms have today is to be able to go out there and do that. And I, you know, I've, I've, I've known a lot of advisors over the years and they've gotten to the point in their careers where they're ready to retire. Of course, uh, not, not, not taking into account the last month, but, uh, but, you know, there's plenty of opportunity out there to grow and scale a business and, uh, and Kingswood recognizes that. And I'm very happy that they, recognized uh, my experience and, and my desire to lead it. That sounds great. We'll get you out of here with some advice. What, what advice may you have to others who may be afraid to go out there and take a chance, make a change, and seize an opportunity? You know, I think it's, uh, I, I think it's really it's about trusting your intuition, trusting your gut, And that's the ultimate smell test out there. You know, everybody puts these pros and cons lists together. I don't know. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't say everybody. I do. I, you know, stack up, okay, here are all the things that uh, are good about whatever opportunity is or whatever we want to do. And here are the things that that aren't. And then you put this list together and you go out and talk to people. I, I call you up, Doug, or I call up somebody that I've known or a mentor from the past and and ask them for their opinions. And lo and behold, what happens is you get off all these phone calls and about 50% stand on one side and 50% stand on the other. And so what it comes back to is just your intuition in your, in your gut. And, uh, but, you know, one thing that is sort of right down the middle of the fairway in terms of everything that I've always focused on is just the happiness. Um, it's not, it's not, the money necessarily is not the career growth. It's not the opportunity in place, but it's it's how happy are you going to be in this job? And then probably secondarily, given what's gone on in the industry over the last 15 years, this very dynamic, fragmented industry is, is sort of the old Wayne Gretzky line, go to where the puck is going, not where it was. And and so, you know, you got to look today as where is this industry going? And as you think about opportunities and you think about career growth and think about happiness, you know, you really want to be in, in the part of the industry where, where that is going. And, uh, and you know, we, we can't predict the future, but there's a lot of evidence out there. You look at a lot of the trends that are indisputable in many regard and you think, OK, that's where that's where I want to go. And then think about what's going to make you happy look at the opportunities out there and that's you know that's not a perfect recipe for success but you know it'll take you 75 yards down the field that's just great advice and it's been super talking to you thank you so much for joining us derek thank you doug for everybody at iris media works and our producer jakey beard this is doug heikinen thank you so much for joining us again take care